Good evening. The presenting sponsor of 30 and Nerdy Podcast is Advertising Expressions. Advertising Expressions exists to promote your business, school, church, or even your podcast, just like they do for the quite fine show, 30 and Nerdy. They promote such organizations by getting their name in front of as many as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. So whether you advertise on your rear window, or wear a shirt so that strangers on a train know where you work, be sure that advertising expressions can help you. After all, I confess that their service is absolutely murder. Contact them today and tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you to see what deals are in store. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? You have entered the fortress of nerditude. Welcome to another episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, the Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy south. It's me, it's me, it's that N-E-R-double-D, Tyler Mack. And joined, of course, by my co-host, the podfather of 30 and Nerdy, the doctor of nerdonomics, the guy that's out to make Earth nerd again. He's freshly squeezed. The juice is loose, peeps. It's Dr. Davis. What's up, Doc? Hello. My name is The Juice. You're listening to our podcast. Prepare to have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> you like that one? That was good. That was good. Thank you all for tuning into the show. If you're here for the first time, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you can stay up to date on the show. If you're returning, thank you for coming back. Don't forget to drop that five-star rating and review. We love to hear from those that are listening. And Maddie's in the fortress today. Sure is. Very few souls have been allowed in the fortress. It is a sink. And even fewer come back. That's true. From there. Pretty sure the last time she fell asleep. Not a good sign for us. No, not a good sign for us. But that was like season one. Long time ago. So so hopefully she'll stay awake this time. Uh, now that she feels pressured to do so, I'm yeah. sure she will. <laughs> she'll start standing up and, and just walking around. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. So I just need to go. <laughs> Should I clap? Maybe you yeah. should. We need a little motivation sometimes. Possibly. We should put up a... a uh, applause sign that I'll hit a button and it'll tell her when to clap or a laugh track or stuff like that mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when we tell jokes yeah sometimes people need some cues you know it's true <laughs> so uh how has life been you have been back to work for a week now I'm, yeah yeah about a week uh yeah but not much to tell really it's you know no no students until Thursday. So by the next time we talk, I'll probably have a little more okay. to to share as far as work goes. But we've just been 
doing our in-service stuff and our trainings and our meetings and getting our classrooms ready and all that stuff. Our internet was down for a lot of the week, so I didn't get to do uh, a lot of things that I needed to do. But yeah, not much, not much to, to tell, but I'm looking forward to a great year. Well, great, because that internet is a cue to a story that I also have this week. Yeah. All right. So um, our uh, manager's out. He has uh, been in Iowa. Uh, for a family reunion. So, fun thing. Um, I'm opening, and we get to about 11.30 on Thursday. And internet goes out. That's not the first time it's happened. I mean, we've had some internet issues. Everybody has internet issues. I mean, heck, the second it storms, most people have internet issues. Even in 2021, as far as we've come. It's out all day. Then the next day, it's still yeah, out. Yeah, it's... So what happened, I finally found out, in Maryville, there was this massive construction going on, and they cut an infrastructure line for Spectrum. Four wow. counties were okay. without internet for three days. Verizon was affected, banks were affected, businesses were affected. Interesting. The tourist town of Sevier County was affected. We went to cash only. We took down, or we had to write everything down because even though we were going to cash only, even when paying with cash, we still have to enter the sale in the system. Yeah. So even though we were taking cash, using calculators to make correct change, we still had to write down for later when we get internet to re-enter those sales in the system. So some sales didn't get entered for days. And it was the, the Brian's out of town. Like the owner ha, is in Nashville currently trying to get Nashville, you know, because they've had a lot of employee issues as well. Nobody wants to work, stuff like that. You know, the country's seeing the same issues, all that stuff. So uh, that was interesting. Uh, first, it opened my eyes to how much we are connected now. Everything uses the internet from the the thing these days most restaurants use tablets to take orders. Uh, your computer systems at school, internet, Verizon, internet, banks, a lot of their ATMs don't have their own hotspots, so internet. That's interesting that that happened because ours was out Thursday and Friday we were told that there was something with like a solar flare mm. that had affected it, and it was like all sorts of providers all over the place really? had this issue. So, so Spectrum, like there's some kind of conspiracy here. Guys. Well, we uh, we uh, we made we told uh, we I think it was a mistake to tell to explain everything that was going on to every customer that walked in the door because you know we get an eclectic group of people. One told us that, oh, well, it's just their way of controlling us. I said, <laughs> I'm over at the, at, at the other end of the, the, the sampling area, and I overhear this, and the employee, Elena, was like, oh, okay, because she's, she's a lot like you and I are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's like, okay, well, I guess it's whatever you believe. And she, he goes, oh, no. Oh, no, I can tell you. That they stopped internet to show us their power. That they're controlling us. 
that at any time they can snap their fingers and we'll be back to the Dark Ages. The lizard people. I was just like, okay, can we get this guy out of here? <laughs> He's scaring the kids. So, um, it was an interesting weekend. Um, and then I was going to leave that extremely stressful day and Maddie and I were supposed to be, we, we did go to the Smoky Game, and well, we were supposed to meet the cast of The Sandlot. They were at the game. Yeah. And before I even got off work, pretty much, she had already texted and said, they've cut off meet and greet. The line is, they apparently were like, oh, we didn't expect this, you know, oh, you didn't expect the Sandlot cast to draw a crowd at a Smokies baseball game? So what I kind of wanted to say to him was like, how do you not expect that? What universe are you It's the Sandlot, man. And, I mean, Ham wasn't there. The Great Bambino. Ham was really who I really wanted to meet, but he wasn't there. But Smalls was there. Uh, Timmy and Tommy, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, that would have been so cool to meet. Mm-hmm. But when I finally got to the game and met her, the line, dude, and not on top of on top of the line, it was a capacity crowd. I mean, it was a beautiful night, great night for a baseball game. But I was like, Dadgummit, the one thing that I was really looking forward to through this stressful freaking day. Was to meet the cast of the Sandlot. Right. We didn't even get to do that, but we did have a nice day yesterday. It was my nephew Bryson's third birthday, and you all brought Emma. Mm-hmm. It was a pool party, and we had an inflatable bouncy house mm-hmm. slash slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a good day. And yesterday really made me realize that there are far more important things than the stresses of the world, because. Uh, it was just, that Friday, and man, Thursday and Friday, I was just panicky all day, mm-hmm. just anxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was uh, it was nice to, to have people there celebrating Bryson. It was good to see you and Becky and Emma and seeing the kids, you know, jumping on the inflatable and sliding and having a good time. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Well, I guess I do have an interesting story to tell. I'd kind of forgotten about it. You know, it, we were talking last week about... The movie Waiting, yeah, you know, and how you know crazy things happen to people's food in that movie and all this stuff. Yeah. Well, I had an experience, okay. So I don't want to name this the place specifically. All okay. right, I don't want to turn anybody off of this place because up until this point it was lovely. Yeah, yeah, I thought. But I went to uh, lunch at a certain place, and uh, <clears throat> some of my coworkers were with me. You know, I'm trying to be healthy here lately, so I ordered a salad, of course. Yeah. And so we're enjoying our, our meal and everything, and I'm eating my salad, and I, I take a big chomp, and there's something really hard, you know, like, you know, sometimes you get random pieces of like a crouton something, or, or yeah, it's like, maybe it's not cooked all the way, or it's still frozen, or something's happened. So like this is like here. a cob salad? It's like a barbecue chicken cob salad. Oh, so there's all a possibility right. it's a chicken boat. <laughs> Sure, yeah, yeah. something's grizzle from something, yeah. I don't know, okay. but like, oh, something's not right. And you know, like, you don't, when you're sitting around the table with, with people, I mean, I don't know these people, but like, it'd be different if I was sitting down with you or Madison. I wouldn't care to be like, kind of rude. Grab something in my mouth. Oh, yeah. something in my mouth. I didn't want to do that, so I kind of took a second, like, what is this? Trying to venture into what it was. Finally, I knew this Without is taking it out? Yeah, this you is were, something that's not You were playing the guessing game without taking bit. it out. Okay. Well, you know, like, I knew something was up, but. Yeah, I didn't want to be rude around everybody. So then I was like, all right, this is not supposed to be here, so I'm going to have to just do it. So I reach in my mouth, and I pull out 
and people listening can't see, but about you know about an inch big okay. screw, Ooh. a screw a like. Screw. Like, you remember Keenan and Kel? I put the screw in the tuna. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it made me think of that the whole time. But it was a screw. It was rusty. Oh. It was nasty. It was in my salad. Uh. So I did not have to pay for my lunch that day. Ah. Uh, the manager did come out and was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. And we took it off your bill. And I'm thinking, okay, that's lovely. And I did make a stink about it. But if I had been the boss yeah. and I had people who had had this experience, I probably would have been doing a little more than that. Like, hey, guys, I'd love to give you guys some free dessert today or anything like that. Because why would I want to come back to that place after that? We were at a place uh, recently as a family and something happened with Dad's food. And that person... Uh, Took his meal off, fixed it for free so he didn't pay for the new thing, got his dessert, and took drinks off the ticket. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, that's above and beyond. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it happens, you know, there's no 100%. Even in this area, you know, we pretty much praise pals for being like almost 100% effective every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even they have an off day. But uh, did you still tip your waitress? I did, of course. Awesome. It wasn't her fault. Yeah, I think and a I, lot. I think a lot of people these days would would have taken it out on the entire. And building. I don't think that it was like an intentional thing. I don't think I'm gonna put a screw in this like, guy's salad. This dude was my teacher, and he was a butthole. I'm gonna put a screw in his salad. <laughs> screw him. So exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I got screwed on my salad, but I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Wow. So, uh, finally also showed Maddie Princess Bride. Finally showed her that. We took a little break from the office to do so. Uh, speaking of the office, you know that we finally got past the, uh, in my opinion, the most cringe-tacular episode. Scott's Tots. I, I don't even know that that would be an opinion. I feel like that's, like <laughs> that's an a accepted fact, fact of <laughs> life at this point. Uh, you just hear the name of the episode and you go, Ugh. Uh, I believe she even sent you a picture of me hiding under a blanket. Yep, I understand. Um, most of the episode, but... I kind of got the vibe from her that she was like, I feel like he's overreacting, and I was kind of like, no, no, no. no, you, no, just, no you don't no. understand, but soon, you will. You will. She's and now, now she in the fold of Scott's tots. This is now a burden you must bear with yeah. all of us. And now she's part of the group that of us to where, if we ever watch through it again, we'll skip it. Skip that one. <laughs> uh, but we are two episodes away from the season six finale. Uh, so we're nearing some pretty monumental things that you and I know about, yep. and most of the listeners know about, yep. but she does not know about. And I actually told her the other day, I said, I envied her. Imagine, Juice, this for a second. Seeing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. That feeling. Mm-hmm. What it was like. Mm-hmm. Not just The Office. The MCU. Lord of the Rings. Star Wars. Despite the sequels. Harry Potter. That first time feeling. And since we started dating almost three years ago, she's I've gotten to witness that. Yeah. The first eyes on the things we love. Yeah. And uh, I tell you, it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. I, I even told her, I was like, I'm envious. You get to watch these things for the first time. I'm looking forward to having those experiences with my daughter one day when she's a little bit older. But my luck... She's going to be like her mom and just kind of be like, eh, whatever about all on this. On her phone. She's going to be on her phone. <laughs> no! <laughs> then she'll pause it and go, listen to this. <laughs> pause this. Listen to this. <laughs> You're like, no, you stop scrolling and watch. 
Yeah. I don't think she will. I'll I think she'll not. have a good... I mean, she... The other day, for bedtime, she chose to put some kind of weird little Spider-Man kids show on Disney+. Plus, and she chose that over everything. So I was like, this is a good sign. Guys. Over Sisu? Uh, Oh yeah, we've not we've not done uh, riding the last dragon in a few weeks now. Oh. It's, it's been Paw Patrol and it's been she the, moved, she moved past that quicker than she moved past Frozen. She, Frozen was like six or seven months. That's insane. And she's gotten into like the little YouTube thing. She likes to watch coloring videos, like people like coloring princesses or those little LOL surprise dolls or whatever. Yeah. And I really think. My daughter has like OCD because it's so satisfying to see like drawn in the lines and stuff. She also likes to watch. It's the craziest thing. There's a YouTube video. It's like a two hour long video of people decorating cakes, right? With music on it. And all the frosting is in patterns and stuff. And she's, she's just in so, yeah. The, 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 the satisfaction of seeing the, the evenness. So the is patterns. You, what you've learned of your own, uh, is it? I mean, yeah, hereditary? that's how I am. That's how is I am. It I don't, I've never heard that it's hereditary. I don't know. That's crazy. But yeah, but it's good though. It means that you won't. For instance, I'm the polar opposite of my mom. Yeah. She'll be the first to tell you that the good Lord created you to teach and test balance. me to balance me. So, but so for you. You'll be like, oh, my little daughter, attentions to details. Yeah. For Becky, it'll be like, God, Emma, come on, let's go, let's go, yep. let's get it over with. And yep. she's just like, wait, Mom. It's got to be right. If you just be patient, you know, Dad never says anything like this to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's going to be interesting. But uh, we're about to finish Season 6. Hey, Maddie, thumbs up. Thumbs, thumbs up. up. Still loving The Office. Good. Still loving The Office. So, last time we spent most of the episode catching up with some nerdly news uh, and some pretty good detail. Uh, we also discussed Loki's season finale. Uh, you can find that wherever you cast your pod. Uh, a week removed, still feeling pretty good about Loki? Oh, yeah, good. for sure. Good. Can't wait for uh, season two. And What if? Uh, we are literally, what, a week away? Something like that. Something like that from what if? Not not soon enough. Not soon enough. That. And days away from the Suicide Squad. Yep. So we're, we're getting there, you know, despite what a lot of people are saying, you know, there's a lot of places they're saying like they're coming back, masks are going to come back, mandates are coming back, Gamma and Delta and all that. As of right now, nerd culture is doing that every couple of weeks, something in nerd culture is releasing. Mm -hmm. So that, that feeling of we've got stuff to talk about mm -hmm. uh, is really good. Um, but this episode, we are, we are merely talking about a story. A story with, with fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Today we're talking about the Prince's Bride. So what say you, Juice? Shall we get to it? Well, I don't know. This isn't a kissing story, is it? Mm, just, just, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. All right, DJ Mike Cowie, take us to the show. It's time to nerd up or shut up. Let's get dangerous. Welcome to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. 
30 and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Reach out using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can also find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apocalypse and Pod Nation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andNerdyPod at gmail.com or check out the website at 30andNerdyPodcast.com. Now, sit back, crank it to 11. The nerds are here. All right, nerds, let's kick this off in glorious fashion. I believe I have got a heck of a word for you this week. Well, you always do. Nerdodiversity, or having nerdodiversion. <clears throat> Refers to a variation in a nerd's brain regarding sociability, learning, attention, mood, and other mental functions in a non-pathological sense. Some believe it is the cause of social awkwardness in some nerds. That possibly being a nerd and focusing on nerd culture automatically causes certain social pathways in the brain to weaken or shut down. For example, I'm worried about Lucas. I'm worried that he has neurodiversity. I tried to talk to him about the game the other night, but he stared at me uncomfortably and changed the subject to his Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Ah, oh, silly Lucas. Loosely based off the word neurodiversity. Right, right. <laughs> um, Bring in a little science now and yeah. then. Nothing wrong with that. It's okay. It's okay. So I, and I had uh, just seen that word a few weeks ago because a uh, former employee um, that uh, went back to working at a stage show for... Um, some company in Pigeon Forge, one of those minor ones, says he has neurodiversity. And I, his name's Ray. Great guy. Love him. Awesome. And uh, I, I'd never heard that term before. Neurodiversity. Or neurodiversion. Right, right. And it's like a bigger umbrella of like ADHD and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the, it's like neurodiversity and it says like ADHD is like the above, above part of the uh, iceberg. And then below it. Right. So neurodiversion is like a more enhanced, like detailed version of ADHD. Yeah, very specific. Very specific. And it shows you like everything it can cause in your brain and all that. So I was like, I'm going to turn that into a nerd word and just add nerdo. Like, like you do. <laughs> like I do. So I really want some people to use that in their daily life. Nerdodiversity. Because I think that there are nerds out there that probably do have nerdodiversity. We know some. That, that it has kind of their obsession with some aspects of nerd culture has caused some social awkwardness. I believe some people would say that about us. I'm sure. Uh, I'm so sure. Uh, that's your word for the week nerdodiversity or nerdodiversion. Hope you all will send some videos of y'all using that. So, what do you say we get to some nerdly news? Let's do it. This is the nerdly news. This is the nerdly news. This is the nerdly news.
All right, kicking it off with an update on some Blizzard news. As heard on the last episode of 30 and Nerdy, Activision Blizzard is on fire. A torch in the shape of a two-year-long investigation and now lawsuit for sexual harassment, misconduct, and a frat work environment lit a beacon the way that Pippin lit the beacon in Minas Tirith. Well, now the beacons have been lit and the rest of the world is seeing it. This past Tuesday, Activision Blizzard employees announced that they would be staging a walkout in response to company leadership statements, Good. which was widely signed open letter that they had termed abhorrent. Over the course of four hours, they carried signs and posted for, posed for pictures with designated representatives available to speak to journalists. It was broadly supported by the game industry at large with more than 1,000 employees at Ubisoft among those to sign a statement in solidarity. Portable toilets were even delivered to the mm-hmm. site without the group asking. A local restaurant donated food. Developers from other studios arrived to assist with setup and teardown, as did Blizzard's custodians. The belief from many people uh, is that this is just the beginning. One, one anonymous source in the investigation stated that World of Warcraft developers are treated as kings and get away with sexual harassment, abuse, intoxication, frat-like behavior, and even worse. That's true. A recent report from the Breaking uh, News states that former senior creative director Alex Afsrabi, who worked for them until mid-2020, this one's hard to read, <laughs> had what was known as the Cosby Suite oh, set up by most employees. This refers to his hotels when he traveled for networking events, marketing, and even BlizzCon, where one former designer said that they were made to, in his words, gather hot chicks for the cause. One source who had since departed Blizzard talked about how the room designated for maternal use didn't have locks. Men would walk into the room on a whim and just just to get a glimpse of them. They would stare even when being told to stop. Until as late as two years ago, they never put locks on those doors. Until one woman threatened to go to the press. Some men have come forward in... uh, in, I can't pronounce this word, Tyler. Anonymity? Some men have come forward in anonymity to discuss the frat lifestyle, stating that if you were seen early on as a goody-goody, you would not be invited to things and you'd be kept in the dark. So some of these men are shocked to hear some of the things that are finally coming out. And one investigation showed two different evaluation forms for men and women. Jeez. The men were evaluated on tech skills and development. Women were evaluated on maternity leave possibilities, deadlines, how they speak to their superiors, how they look, and even what they allow to be said to them. One former employee even stated that the alcoholic cube crawls weren't abolished until 2018. Even then, it didn't stop. It just became less in the open. One former employee of color stated that it wasn't all men. It was mainly white men. That even if you were a man, you had to be a certain look to be in the quote-unquote inner circle. One employee said, this is the beginning, not the end. The only thing that this is the end to is the myth of Blizzard being the perfect all-inclusive company. They will either get on board and fix it or not, but this is not a storm that they can wait out. Dude, like, you you watch movies about this stuff. Yeah. And you it's see shows like Mad Men and... Wolf of Wall Street and things like that. Like, you never think about like, and I know it happens in the world, but world, but you never think about it taking center stage in our 
because you know our nerd culture and our, our world is supposed to be so inclusive mm-hmm. we think it's supposed to welcoming, be welcoming progressive yeah welcoming progressive and a place like blizzard activision blizzard that's creating warcraft and and, and call of duty games mm-hmm. and stuff like that like they're nerds they're supposed to be I didn't know a thing about it until yeah. we talked about it last time, yeah, and, and I just can't believe it. It's it's still on fire, which I hope it stays on fire. I hope it doesn't get swept under the rug. I hope these people stick to it. I hope that this is something that they don't just throw money at, and these women and the men that are allies don't just go like, okay, thanks for the money, we'll be quiet. I hope that it, you know, I hope that something right happens out of this. Um, you can follow IGN. They are keeping up with the story day in and day out. They are, they have a lot of... Uh, I, uh, IGN has a lot of news people on the ground there mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. to just keep us up to date on it. So uh, definitely check out IGN on Instagram and their website. Some good news for you here, buddy. Batman is coming to Spotify. Woo! The caped crusader that has graced comics, movies, toys, games, and more for over 80 years will now be heard not seen in the upcoming Batman Unburied, a podcast partnership between DC, Warner Brothers, and Spotify. We will get a story that dives into the darkness of Bruce Wayne's psychology. The podcast will be produced by David S. Goyer from The Dark Knight Rises, Man of Steel, and Sandman. Hmm. This podcast is a psychological thriller that takes us on a new journey deep into the mind of Bruce Wayne, introducing a slew of dark twists and turns with a number of classic Batman supervillains. Something different, though. When 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 audiences meet Bruce Wayne, he will be a forensic pathologist Mm. working in the bowels of Gotham Hospital and tasked with examining victims of the Harvester, a gruesome serial killer preying on Gotham citizens. So far, some casts that have been announced include Bruce Wayne, voiced by Winston Duke of Black Panther and Spencer Confidential. As well as Alfred, voiced by Jason Isaacs, mm-hmm. which we know from Harry Potter, The Patriot, and so much more. Oh, while Batman Unburied is the only DC podcast announced by Spotify, it won't be the last. The agreement between Spotify and Warner Brothers is a multi-year one for a full slate of narrative podcasts featuring some of DC's biggest heroes and villains, including the Joker, Catwoman, Lois Lane, Superman, Wonder Woman, and much more. I'm excited for this because you know I was I love the Wolverine, Wolverine podcast, and the Marvels, Four, whatever they Spider-Man's do. getting yeah. his own soon with Marvel, uh, and there's a new one called Outlander, which is Old Man Star Lord. It's pretty good, right? It's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. you know I never I never got into them, man. I, I yeah. tried with the Wolverine one and, and one of the, the other. The best ones. way I can tell you to do it is when you're going to bed with headphones on Mm -hmm. because you get the whole surround like you're in the woods walking with Wolverine and Mm -hmm. hearing him run and Mm -hmm. that parabolic sound effect stuff they're using I can't you should watch uh, Armitage behind the scenes Mm -hmm. you should watch him on YouTube recording it like doing all this stuff it's really cool I'm excited Batman on podcast I mean where will he go next (laughs) you know so space (laughs) so uh, Batman defeats Jeff Bezos in space. That's exactly it. <laughs> Moving forward with some more DC. The Suicide Squad certified perfect. The Suicide Squad is launched with a rare 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which as you know, I don't trust or listen to anyways. At the time of this recording, however, over 90 reviews have been submitted with a 96% score, which for a DC film, wow, that's 2% higher than The Dark Knight got by critics. This is potentially blasphemous, so... Could be. Or game-changing. Yeah. 
Even some of the more lukewarm reviews still seem to indicate that James Gunn brings a much more fun and entertaining vision of the Suicide Squad to the screen. Look, not, not that James Gunn isn't incredible. Love James Gunn. I'm a fan. But can't be hard to do that. No. A, a more fun and entertaining version of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Can't be hard to do be after hard. what we had before. Oh, yeah. The bar's low yeah. after that last movie. Yeah. We could probably make a better Suicide Squad than that. Yeah. Yeah. So one critic's review even says, There are so many things about the Suicide Squad that are revolutionary, from the extraordinary ensemble cast to the compelling and downright absurd story. But the most surreal element of the film might be the way it showcases the endless potential of the DC Universe, with a feeling of wonder that those who have spent hours thumbing through back issues at their local comic shop will probably recognize. The Suicide Squad not only raises the bar for how much a superhero movie can accomplish in one sitting, but it proves that the weird and often forgotten comic characters and superstars are deserving of your attention. I have never seen a superhero movie with such a re refined sense of identity and such a love for the source material. And if I never see one like it again, I'll only be a little disappointed. And this is a great start for DC. Um, because, obviously, they want the hype of this film to bring people back to the theaters. Mm -hmm. um, much like Black Widow has done for Marvel. Now, speaking of Black Widow, Disney's decision to release Black Widow on Disney Plus at the same time as theaters has sparked a legal battle between the media giant and the one and only Scarlett Johansson. In a lawsuit filed on Thursday in Los Angeles Superior Court, attorneys for Johansson alleged the star's contract was breached when the studio opted no, uh, not to debut the film exclusively in theaters, a movie they claim depressed ticket sales for the Avengers spinoff. Much of Johansson's compensation was tied to the box office performance of Black Widow. If it hit certain benchmarks, bonuses would kick in. Part of the suit reads that Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach of the contract without justification in order to prevent Ms. Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel. On July 9th, the movie set a pandemic-era box office record with its $80 million debut in North America and $78 million overseas. It also pulled in an additional $60 million on Disney Plus alone. Ticket sales steeply declined in subsequent weeks and currently stand at $319 million globally, putting it on track to become one of the lowest-grossing Marvel movies of all time. Shortly after its debut, the National Association of Theater Owners the industry's main trade organization, asserted the simultaneous release of Black Widow in theaters and on streaming costs Disney money and revenue per viewer over the life of the film. However, the suit notes that Disney stock rose after the company disclosed the rental figures. Disney chose to placate Wall Street investors and paid its bottom line, rather than allow its subsidiary Marvel to comply with the agreement, the suit reads. To no one's surprise, Disney's breach of the agreement successfully pulled millions of fans away from the theaters and towards its Disney Plus streaming service. Disney representation has went on record calling the suit sad 
and are gathering for their defense. President of Marvel Kevin Feige has gone on record stating that he is embarrassed by Disney's handling of the film and Scarlett's case. The case has sparked interest in other performers like Emma Stone, whose Cruella origin movie was released the same way last month. They just now put it on, on regular Disney+, Plus, so that's on the list for me. Uh, John Berlinski, an attorney who represents Scarlett Johansson, added that this will surely not be the last case where Hollywood talent stands up to Disney and makes it clear that whatever the company may pretend, it has a legal obligation to honor its contracts. Trouble in paradise. Yeah, not good, guys. Not good, not good. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, and this may be bias of me to say, I know that she's a billion-dollar star, and I get that she has more money than we'll probably ever see unless we start making movies tomorrow. Um, yesterday. But I'm with her. I mean, if 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 this comes out that Disney did breach her contract, and they did it selfishly, then they should absolutely pay. Yeah. And this is also going to open the door for where is the equality between theater and streaming. Obviously, if we're Disney, and we own that streaming service... You're going to get to a point where you're kind of like, oh, screw the contracts. We make more money releasing it on that streaming service. And maybe she or her representation were just smart enough to realize it. How many other stars in since Disney Plus has come out do you think this is affected? Well, I, I don't know what, uh, you know, this is Disney specific, of course, but like, you know, the movies that have come out on HBO Max this year. Yeah. I wonder... I wonder if this will pave the way for like, hey... Well, I mean, but their contracts may be different, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it something to think about because releasing it on, uh, on the streaming is definitely a different animal than... than and it definitely releases. pulled people away from the theaters, obviously. Because I'm sure a lot of people were like, uh, I don't have to go to the theater for Well, that. sure, but at the same time, you know... If they had released... Did they release Wonder Woman in theaters, or was it only on HBO Max? Both. Okay. But, but it didn't do well, theaters. did it? Select theaters. Because it was in the middle We of weren't open yet. Pandemic was still raging. It was like two in New York, some in L.A., mm. Memphis and Nashville, I think, are the only Tennessee theaters. Like one in each city. So it didn't do well. So to be totally fair, in that aspect, Gal really didn't have foot to stand on with that because if if you know if this were Wonder Woman in DC it didn't have a success well, but pandemic. Wasn't Scarlett also a producer of Black Widow? She was. Didn't yeah. She was. So she's also getting producer money, performance money, and I think she got 20 million for this movie as an actress was I think I think was her number. But imagine this. I mean, a lot of those people I learned, and I didn't want to include this in the last episode. You know, we talked about the new contracts that Marvel's going to be doing. Mm -hmm. What a lot of people, a lot of those original Avengers started doing, especially uh, RDJ, like his contract, he is also tied into uh, a, a, I cannot remember what they call it, but like, he still gets so much of not just Avengers or Iron Man, but he gets a portion of every Disney film under the Marvel banner. Wow. Because he did this whole... It's how his contract's situated. Is He got money off of Raya. Uh, not Raya. Uh, he got money off of um, 
Captain America 2 hmm. that he's not even in. He got money off of Far From Home that he's not even in because of how his contract is structured. So he gets money from every Marvel movie that he's not even in. So he's probably like, eh, I don't, if something like that were to happen to him, he probably wouldn't care. She doesn't have that kind of contract. You know, so I, I side with her. But at the same time, I hope that, you know how I feel about Disney a lot of times. It's, mm-hmm. it's too big. It's just too big. They own too much. It's too big. I hope that this works out to where it reigns in these companies. I hope. I think that Scarlett Johansson and the fact that it's happening to her is a big enough star to it's going to make waves. Like imagine if HBO or DC did that to The Rock. He's big enough to make <laughs> well, waves. That wouldn't happen. happen. No, it's not. It's not going to happen mainly because he's a guy. He's the, Well, and he's the number one movie yeah. star on the face of the planet. Yeah. Know, so. But when I read this article, and like I've been reading all these articles about it to Feige's uh, reaction, and to have him saying he's embarrassed by Disney's reaction and the fact that they released it and treated yeah. the movie, I was like, that's Marvel's president saying that. That's, that's the guy doing God's work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is the brilliant mind of Kevin Feige. And then you had someone like, uh, who was it? I think it was Shazam actor, Levi. Uh, he he was asked about it in an interview recently. He said, well, I mean, there's plenty of heroes that Scarlet can come play in D.C. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Easy sure. there, Zachary, now. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if she's no, done with Marvel, why no, don't... No, no poaching our heroes here, okay? If she's done, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, man, that's crazy. I, I hope that uh, I hope that everything works out, and maybe it'll rain in the big company, and also treat, teach some other companies to that. Because at the end of the day, they are they're making more money than we'll ever see, and I get that most people would look at this as like, oh god, boo hoo, money, 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 blah blah blah. But in my eyes, they're people who did a job, and there was a specific thing written in her contract that it would be exclusive to theaters. She would get bonuses based off the ticket sales and releasing it on Disney Plus took that bonus away from her. So I get it. Yeah. I I yeah, you gotta honor your agreements. You do. You know, you, you do. do. No matter who the company is. But that is all the nerdly news that we wanted to talk about this week. We're going to take a quick break and then we are going to talk about one of the most classic movies in American history, The Princess Bride. When Thirty Nerdy Podcast returns. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee. Without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey state of Tennessee with our salted caramel 60 proof whiskey. 
We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes. We are excited to talk about The Princess Bride, a fairy tale story within a story with an all-star cast. In the frame story, a grandfather, played by Peter Falk, reads a favorite book of his to his sick grandson, Fred Savage. The book he reads, The Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern, is about the most beautiful woman in the world, the hero who loves her, the evil prince who tries to force her to marry him, and all the characters we meet along the journey. So that's what we will do. We will read this story to you, this beautiful, witty, funny story of true love. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, which if you haven't, you were living under a rock so big that even Fessick can't lift it up. So, Juice, why don't we talk some facts and info before we get to the plot? Yeah, let's do that. So, The Princess Bride was released in October of 1987, and filming, I believe, took place like at least two years before that, yeah. because there's footage of Andre in an interview, and it was 1985. Mm -hmm. um, and to know that his health was so poor even then, yeah. he didn't pass away until 1993. So it just kind of reminds me of the end of his life. It, he, he was in a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. And every time I see Andre in that later part of his life, I think about that. And I he's just, in pain. I feel so He's sitting so there, bad. even though he's laughing with an interviewee or, or smiling on set, he was in pain. What a life that man had. And there was so much... I mean, pain and, and, mm -hmm. and not just like the physical pain, but to be a giant in the world and have all eyes on you. Yeah. The world's not built for big people like that. Like there, he, he was uh, recorded saying one time, like, you know, there's things for people with wheelchairs who are handicapped or yeah. whatever, but there's not, there's not stuff doors for, for me. giants yeah. or windows for giants or stuff like that. It's, it's there's it's, some great documentaries about Andre out there, and even if you're not a wrestling fan, it's it's something that I feel like I think we could watched enjoy. one together after a pay per view I, one time. Could be. Uh, I've probably back seen when them the all. network was still a yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm way big into all the Andre stuff. But anyway, uh, so it was released in uh, 1987 with a PG rating and a runtime of an hour and 38 minutes. Uh, it goes by too fast. It I feel does. Like sometimes. It's directed by the legendary Rob Reiner, who of course we know he's directed The Bucket List. Rumor has it, Spinal Tap, yes. all-time uh, major uh, cult following there. Uh, North Misery, A Few Good Men. Lots more. Did you see North? Bruce I, Willis and Elijah Wood, maybe? No. Not Elijah Wood. Mm -mm. It's Bruce Willis and the kid who looks like Elijah Wood. But it's not. You remember him? No. He was big in the 90s, but he didn't do much no. after that. And then, of course, Misery. 
Yeah, like, Oh, the hobbling scene in Misery. Before I think Whew. about Rob Reiner, the director, I think about him playing Meathead on All in the Family. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think of first thing. So, uh, It's based on the novel written by William Goldman, and it was filmed in uh, on location in Ireland and England. The yes. majority of the movie was filmed on location. They did very little stuff like on a set or on a soundstage. Most stage. of the set and the soundstage was like the room, it the was kid's room. The kid's room and then the stuff on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like the big pool when uh, she was in there and the eel was coming after yeah. her. Other than that, it was all location. Some of the interior, I very guess. Lord of the Rings, a lot of location. Yeah, yeah. And at a time, you know, when that was like unheard of because it was probably cheaper to do so. Like, ah, uh, you know, if, if mm-hmm. today they wanted to do a movie like this, there would be a lot of soundstage work. Yeah, a lot of sound and a lot work. of blue screen. Yes, uh, CG. Yes, all that stuff. Uh, so th- the film had a budget of a, of an estimated sixteen million dollars, and that almost didn't happen because, first of all, the movie was in development hell for years yeah. and years and years. Like it was going to happen one time, and uh, someone who had greenlit it got fired the weekend before they were going to start, <laughs> and then they were like a week out from filming it for real. Like the cast was about to head yeah. out, and they didn't get the funding approved until the last minute. So it almost didn't happen, but luckily for us, oh, it, thank it did. Lord. Uh, on its opening weekend, it only made two hundred and six thousand dollars. Like a lot of people didn't see it. It didn't really gain all the attention and the cult following until the release of the VHS. Uh, it went on to gross about thirty million dollars, close to thirty-one, and the worldwide gross was. Let me just start that part over. Uh, it grossed nearly about thirty-one million dollars worldwide. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is is crazy to think of it not happening because it paved the way for so many actors and actresses. What today. an incredible cast oh this movie God. has. Let's talk about that. Yes. So we got Carrie Elwes, which I never know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, it's tough. As Wesley. But you nailed it. Slash the Dwight Pilot Roberts. Uh, we've seen him in Robin Hood Men in Tights, Saw, Twister, and he's the mayor in Stranger Things Season 3. I forgot three. about that. Yes. Uh, we've got Mandy Patinkin, a legend in his Love own right, Mandy. as Inigo Montoya from Criminal Minds, Homeland, and a hell of a Broadway career. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got Robin Wright as Princess Buttercup, who went on to play Jenny and Forrest Gump. She's also in Beowulf and Unbreakable. House of Cards. House of Cards. This was her first major film role. Yes, and a funny thing that I did not write down is Carrie Elwes actually talks about when he's asked about this movie is that when they... F- when they first met each other, he did become smitten with her. She's beautiful. He felt they they and she said the same thing. They became smitten with each other. Thirty something years later, yeah. she's still beautiful. Yes, beautiful. Uh, we also have Chris Sarandon as Prince Hampadink. Uh So he has had heck of a voice casting career. He sure. has done some live action, you know, like ER, Law and Order, but most notably, he is the voice to Jack Skellington mm-hmm. in The Nightmare Before, not the singing voice, right, that but was, uh, Danny uh, Elfman, yeah. the talking voice of Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas, and he was able to do all the Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah, I met him at a convention one time, uh, briefly, got him to sign a, an 8x10 of, uh, of Jack, and just kind of talked to him about how much I love that character. We That's did. one thing you need to have framed all over the fortress also. It's all of your autographs and pictures. Well, I don't have enough frames That's to true. cover all that stuff, but one day I will. That's true. But yeah, he was he was a pretty nice guy. Yeah. We've got, of course, Andre the Giant as Fezzik. The homie. If you are 
if you even if you aren't a WWE fan, you've heard, you know of Andre the Giant, the eighth, the eighth wonder, wonder of, of the, the world. world. Um, what a guy! Sad life, uh, but in the short time, short life he had, he did everything. He did everything he could and wanted to do, and he was always smiling. I mean, I don't really like the guy, but Hogan always talks about like you know he was always in pain, but he was always smiling, mm-hmm. making jokes. The stories about Andre, it's like he was this sweet, sweet loving man would do anything for anybody unless he didn't like and you rubbed in the wrong way there's yeah. lots of stories about he hated uh he didn't like randy savage randy savage he didn't like jake roberts he would throw jake down and stand on his hair yeah he would l- crunch down and fart on him <laughs> i mean yeah if, if if he didn't like it, you were in trouble but other than that from all the stories i've heard uh, he's he was a really yeah. great guy so we also have Christopher Guest as Count Rugen. Uh, he was also in Spinal Tap and The Invention of Lying and tons of other things. Have you seen a lot of the Christopher Guest films like uh, A Mighty Wind no. and Best in Show? I haven't. You gotta watch. Um, oh, Malloy gosh. used to talk about Best in Show a lot. Did he really? Yeah. You need to see... Um, oh gosh, I'm blinking on the name right now. Uh, Waiting for Guffman. Waiting for Guffman. Waiting for Guffman. You need to see because it's about actors it's oh. it's uh it's set in this small town <laughs> and there's this community theater there and it's like the talk of the town everybody loves it and christopher guest plays this guy named corky okay and he's really funny uh i want to go into a lot of detail about because i want you to see it for yourself okay. you will love it okay it's very much it's mockumentary so it's kind of a similar style as oh. the office okay all right check it I'll out it. waiting for government i'll watch it we also have Wallace Shawn, and it's actually Wallace Shawn, but when a, people, a, lot of, a lot of people talk to him, they put it in like one Wallace Shawn. Uh, as Vizzini. Oh, Wally. Now, he has had a, a, a tremendous voice acting career. That voice is iconic. He's mm-hmm. Rex in Toy Story. Mm-hmm. He's the boss in The, in, the Incredibles. Um, he, I mean, he's done video games, and like it's just that high-pitched, inconceivable. You know, everybody knows that voice. When he's also heard. on Clueless. He is a clueless. And Young Sheldon. I haven't watched that, but I also haven't watched Big Bang yeah. 3, so. It's not as good as Big Bang. That's what Dad says. Yeah. Not as good. <laughs> uh, Fred Savage from The Wonder Years plays the grandson, Peter. <laughs> Every time I see Fred's, Fred Savage, you know, you would think that, that, you know, most people think about The Wonder Years. I don't think about you think The Wonder Years. think of Austin Powers, I don't think you? about the mole, 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 mole. <laughs> Cut it off, chop it up, and make some guacamole. <laughs> oh, Fred. And Peter Falk, as the grandfather, had a glass eye. He was in Columbo and that Jamie Foxx movie, Undisputed. Uh, a lot of uh, impressionists, before they, uh, if you interview a lot of voice acting guys, like especially in uh, that documentary I love, I Know That Voice, mm-hmm. uh, some of the first times they realized they wanted to get in voice acting was being kids watching Columbo and doing Peter Falk first. Gee, I swear, it's just, I, I got, I got, and, you know, like one who really does it is, uh, uh, the guy who plays Brain, the guy who does the voice to Brain in Pinky and the Brain, mm-hmm. uh, Lamarche is his name, and uh, he does the perfect Peter Falk, and he even does the eye. He does the he can do that thing with his eye, and it's. Uh, but Peter Falk, I mean, and even the the <laughs> the small bits that he's in, he's an intriguing guy, like. He's a quote-unquote legend in the acting industry. Yeah. he's. But I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. Right. 
Because he's older. Time. He was older in 87 when they did this movie. Yeah. So it was before our time. Uh, and of course, I mean, I could list the legends that are in this movie. Billy Crystal, Carol Kane, Peter Cook, Mel Smith, and more. Uh, it's it's a heck of a cast. Uh, fun fact, although IMDb has given this an 8.1 out of 10, most critics and audience have called it the perfect movie that gets better each time you watch it. With something for everyone. Action, romance, adventure, parody, wit, and character. And no sex, no nudity, no cussing, no massive fights, or CGI. Yeah. It's just, it's it's classic. It's got everything you, you could want. Yeah. Like, really? And that you didn't know you needed. Great characters. A lot of practical effects before mm-hmm. the day of CGI's. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had multiple... Uh, little people to to do the the rats of unusual size mm-hmm. actually on the ground fighting with Carrie Elvis. I saw something that uh, the guy who played the big the big uh, rodent he, he was he had been arrested or something like the day of shooting and you know he's in this other country and they're like what's the deal he's like no like I'm an actor I gotta be on set I gotta go to a movie and they had to like come and get him out of jail Jeez. to film the scene yeah it's on YouTube check that out but yeah so, uh, we are going to uh, get to the plot. We're going to uh, talk. We're not going to read the entire book here to you or the entire thing. Just some, some points and some plot lines that we want to talk about. And we're going to do that after we step away for a quick break. More 30 and Nerdy will return. What's up, nerds? This is Rich from the Three Fat Nerds Podcast, and you're listening to our Council of Nerds Brethren, the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Of course, when you're done with this awesome podcast, you can check out the Three Fat Nerd Podcast wherever you get great podcasts just by searching Three Fat Nerds. And if you want all your information about what we do over there, you can visit 8122productions.com. Now let's get back to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes. We are talking The Princess Bride. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about the plot, have some conversation, maybe some some stuff that we personally know that is unknown and behind-the-scenes stuff. I know uh, Juice here knows a lot about the Andre the Giant aspect of Mm -hmm. the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, watching all those wrestling documentaries and stuff like that. So we may pause here and there throughout the plot and talk about it. Uh, and I have to say, I think we both said this almost simultaneously when we were talking earlier today. <laughs> we did. Uh, this is in our top ten. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. And uh, so let's get to it. Uh, the film opens with a sick kid playing a video game. And let's just stop here. That old school video game on, that had to be Atari. And it was an Atari so. baseball yeah. game. Uh, just hits early on with like, this is an older movie. Because, mm. ugh. So his grandfather visits with a gift, a book that was read to him when he was sick, a story that he read to his son when he was sick, and now a tale that he will pass on to him. The tale is about Buttercup, a beautiful young woman living on a farm in the fictional kingdom of Florin. Whenever she, she tells farmhand Wesley to do something, he always complies, saying, As you wish. She eventually realizes that he loves her, and she loves him. Wesley leaves to seek his fortune overseas so he can marry her. 
when his ship is attacked by the Dread Pirate Roberts, who is infamous for never leaving survivors, Wesley is presumed dead. Five years later, Buttercup is forced to become betrothed to Prince Humperdinck, the heir to the throne of Florin. Before the wedding, she is kidnapped by three outlaws, a short Sicilian boss named Vizzini, a giant from Greenland named Fezzik, and a Spanish fencing master named Inigo Montoya, who seeks revenge against a six-fingered man who murdered his father. The outlaws are pursued by Prince Humperdinck and his soldiers, and also a masked man clad in black. Kind of ripped off the, the Zorro look a little bit, a little don't bit. you think? A little bit. Uh, I think that's why there's a, there's that line um, in the... He's like, why do you wear a mask? You know, people in masks can't be trusted. And he's like, oh, it's, it's rather comfortable. I think everybody will start wearing them. I noted that too. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> Everyone does start wearing them in the movies soon. <laughs> because superhero movies are a thing of everything now. Well, I was referring to, you know... Pandemic masks oh. and stuff like that. But, yes. you know, that's true, too. That's true, too. That's very true. Uh, so, this opening. Uh, we've got the kid sick. Yeah. Uh, Grandpa comes over. I love the moment where he's like, oh, tell him I'm sick. And he always pinches my cheeks. I hate that. I hate that. Seeing Fred Savage in the bed like this as a kid. Do you remember when Deadpool recently did... A commercial with him. Yes. It's adult Fred Savage in the same bedroom. Yep. They set it up the same way. Yep. He's an adult, and Deadpool's reading him a book. That was in one of the recut versions yes. of Deadpool 2. Yes, and he makes a Nickelback joke, and Deadpool stops everything and goes, Let's discuss this. Nickelback doesn't suck. They're not terrible, and he starts listing off all their awards, blah, 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 and like, just, which was... Kind of Ryan Reynolds' way of saying everyone needs to shut up. As a Canadian, he would defend the yeah. Canadian band yeah. Nickelback. I, I enjoyed that. Still not a massive Nickelback fan. No. After album one. Album one? Still uh, to this day, if I hear it, I'll sing it. Okay. I liked All the Right Reasons, that whole album. The one that had Rockstar on it. Okay. I love that album. After that, it was just I, I something can do without changed. Nickelback. Something changed. Well, it's like all their songs were whiny bullcrap. Yeah. I didn't care for it. Yeah. Uh, so Easter egg, the uh, in the bedroom, kind of hanging like up and to the left on screen uh, behind the bed, there's a hat. That is the hat that Rob Reiner wore in Spinal Tap. Ah. Uh, yep. And he's wearing a Chicago Bear shirt. Uh savages mm -hmm. he's, this little, he's just wearing this kid's bears jersey which means that they probably live in chicago mm -hmm. uh which if you look out the window it looks like the type of house that you would see on griswold's neighborhood so i started thinking immediately the first time i rewatched this um a couple weeks ago when we were talking about planning a, a princess bride episode and then i watched some last night and then i watched it twice today um just to kind of get that uh, once early this morning and once when Maddie got to the house. And so I was like, what if this kid is the Griswold's neighbor? Like, it'd be crazy that this is in the same universe because the house across the street does kind of look like the Griswold house a little it bit. It could happen. And it is in Chicago, which is where the Griswolds live, in a subdivision in, yeah. outside of the city. So I immediately was like, oh, I wonder if there's a theory out there that they like live across the street from the Griswolds. There is now. There is now. Everyone's gonna be talking. It's gonna be all over Twitter tomorrow that 
there's this universe. It's a Grizzverse. Movies that take place in the same universe of the Griswolds. We just need Rob Reiner to confirm it. It's true. Rob Reiner confirming it. So, uh, we, we get the, the fairy tale opening. Buttercup's working on a farm. Uh, it's her farm, but you don't see her parents. Farm boy! Do this as you wish. So, we never thought that three words would become as legendary as... I am your father, right. or you're going to need a bigger boat, or mm. something, but As You Wish is in the top, I have a, uh, you know the thing I have hanging downstairs, it's like the top 100 quotes, it's like number 6, number 5, something like that, and um, Carrie Elwes actually says that at least every other time he runs into a fan, they're not talking to him about Saw or Twister. They're saying, as you wish to him. Of course. And he's like, I love it. And they're, well, and you know, as you wish is a way of saying, I love you. I love you. So the fans are telling Carrie how much they love I love you, Carrie. Yeah, as you wish. Uh, on that same, piggybacking off of that, um, uh, I didn't write this down, but Mandy Patinkin in an interview for Homeland's final season, they were talking about, you know, this all kind of started, you know, your career kind of got its start with The Princess awesome Bride. Thing, yeah. and, and he's like, I love it. He's like, it's still to this day, you know, a legend and, you know, it's my favorite thing I've ever done. I watched something of him talking about it and he was brought to tears even now. I'm just saying like, you know, he 30 years it. later, I can't believe that I was a part of something so special, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I he, sa he says like, I might as well have been on The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he made that comparison. Yeah. He was like, it's like the modern Wizard of Oz for yeah. us, you know. Yeah. We're a part of that. And like the Wizard of Oz, it gets better every time you watch it's it. True. And it's true. There's no cussing. There's no, a lot, a lot of CGI. And it's just, it's perfect. Yeah. And so this opening is very dreamy. And he's young and shaved. And he doesn't have that mustache yet. And uh, it's a lot. God, of, he did look young, didn't he? I mean, it was 30 years ago. I but it's like, But man. he still looks younger in this opening. Yeah. Than in the rest of the movie. Yeah, he's meant to look like. It's almost like that was the first thing they filmed, through you know a year or so before they started filming the rest of it. Well, who would suspect you know the the little farm boy yeah. becoming the Dread Pirate Roberts? Exactly. So exactly they nailed that. So we then meet Humperdinck, and it's five years later, and she's having to marry him, and she's unhappy, she's numb inside. She said herself, "I'll never love again" because she thinks he's dead. And we, she's riding in the forest, and she meets these three. One is Vizzini, played by Walshon. And then we've got Fezzik, played by Andre the Giant. And Inigo, played by Mandy Patinkin. And they kidnap her. And so they're on the boat, and they kidnap her. And already, like, you're kind of like, oh, wow. This is going to be a kind of a fun adventure. Like, things kind of pick up pretty quick. And they do a good job of... Like, even though Fezzik and Inigo are with uh, Vicini, and Vicini's obviously rotten, he's clearly a bad dude, even though they're hanging out with him and they're meant to be sort of antagonist in yeah. this part, you can still tell they're not really all bad. You know, they're smiling and. They're not and villains. They're doing they're their. They're paid to do a job. I think, is it here or is it later when they kind of do the rhyming here they do it the, first the rhyming time here. game i love it i know you love the rhyming game i love the rhyming you game. you do you do because they do the uh because it's andre it just works because oh, yeah. it's andre it's uh, so simple 
Because he's yelling at them and like, you know, stop asking questions, blah, 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 you're stupid, blah, 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 just listen to my plan, I have a plan. And he walks away and uh, Inigo's like, Vicini loves to fuss. I think he likes to yell at us. <laughs> so uh, it, it's pretty funny. It's kind of like, you know, we have a podcast. I hope that it lasts. <laughs> what if we spoke like that to each other? Like, we need to do that in front of somebody. Like, we can't do it in front of Maddie because now she's heard the, she's heard the the joke. But like, next time we're around someone, we should pre-plan some like us. I'll say a sentence and you have to rhyme it. And then All right, we'll do that and I'm see in. how quick somebody catches on. I I, I won't be as good as Fezzik, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> so, uh, moving on in the story. So the man in black confronts the outlaws atop the cliffs of insanity. After, of course, they've traveled through the eel-infested waters mm-hmm. and all that crazy stuff. He defeats Inigo in a duel and knocks him out. He chokes Fezzik uh, into unconsciousness and tricks Vicini into drinking poison, that old Iocane powder from yes. Australia, which kills him. He killed the one bad guy, but he, he spared the two yeah. not-so-bad guys. It's like guys. he already knew. Yeah, he knew. Bad guys. Well, I mean, Inigo... Helped him come up the, yeah. the rope. and Let him rest. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, so he takes Buttercup prisoner and they flee, stopping near a gorge. Buttercup correctly guesses he is the Dread Pirate Roberts and berates him for killing Wesley. Seeing Humperdinck and his men approaching, Buttercup shoves Roberts down a hill, wishing death upon him. You can die too for all I care. And while tumbling down, he shouts, As you wish. Realizing it is Wesley, she throws herself into the gorge after him, and they are reunited after a hilarious <laughs> scene of them oh, 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 rolling down the hill. Have you seen Hot Rod? Yeah. <laughs> when Rod does that, like, three-and-a-half-minute-long roll down the hill for the joke, I think that they pulled from that. They like, might that have. had to be, like, uh, as our friends David and Tim, that's a key. That's a key. That's a key. Uh, now, Wesley explains how the Dread Pirate Roberts is a title that is passed on to others. He took it so that the previous Roberts could retire, and there was even one before him. Yes. They, he was Named a pirate for C- like, Cummerbund. Yeah. What was the one before? Uh, yeah, before uh, right before Wesley. I can't remember his ah, name, dumb. but I remember the one before him is Cummerbund. Yeah, it's like old Chad over there. Yeah. He's the Dread Pirate Roberts. Because nobody would be afraid of the dead Dread Pirate Wesley. No. Not even a little bit. So, uh, having found Buttercup, uh, Wesley intends to surrender the title to another. Humperdinck captures the pair after they emerge from the dangerous fire swamp. Buttercup agrees to return with Humperdinck after he promises to release Wesley. He then secretly orders his sadistic vizier, Count Rugen, the six-fingered man, to take Wesley to his torture chamber, the pit of despair. Before being knocked out, Wesley notices that Rugen has, as I just spoiled, unfortunately, (laughs) six fingers on his hand. Someone is looking for him. Yes. Oh, you have six fingers. So... (laughs) <laughs> just in that little so that guest delivers he's like he's been made fun of his entire life for that <laughs> he just immediately changes like oh god probably why he enjoys so, sucking the life out of people yeah. in the pit of despair so much yeah absolutely so this is this is fun stuff because as you said the comical roll down the hill <laughs> which is hilarious because it's that type of comedy that's incessant. It's not quick. It just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting. Well, and the, it's it's it almost makes me think of like 
parody. Like, I yes. hate those terrible, like, epic movie, teen movie, uh, scary movie, 7 through yes. 12, whatever yeah. they are. Like, the parodies of these yeah. things, like, that felt like a parody moment. It's this great fantasy, you know, epic tale, true love. And then they throw in these little comedy bits like that. that are but it of, works. It does work. Parody works with the right amount at the right time. Yep. Yep. But an entire parody sucks. Yeah, too much. It's just too much. I hate it. Uh, but we we uh, we some of these names are, are killing me, and we'll we'll talk about that later in another segment. But uh, so uh, they they get through this um, the fire swamp. And during the fire swamp, we, we meet the rats of... Uh, the rodents of unusual size. Rodents of unusual size. Yeah. And she gets sucked through a quicksand thing, and he has to dive in after her, and she gets caught on fire. Well, and- but let's, let's rewind a little bit before this. Okay, so Wesley has chased them across the sea, mm-hmm. climbed up freehand up the cliffs of insanity, dueled with Indigo, one of the most... Gifted doers on the planet, right? And they—that's yeah. probably other than Andres and Omni Dread by Wobbles. That's my favorite scene. The, oh yeah, them talking. Indigo telling him about his dad, Six Fingered Man. Poor Wesley pours all those big rocks out of his boot. He's climbing up the cliffs with all that crap in but his Inigo boot. But Indigo lets him rest, and they chat. He <laughs> battles a giant. He outwits Vicini. All this stuff gets rolls down a hill, gets bitten by the road of unusual size, gets caught on fire, and gets caught in the quicksand. It's like Mario helping Peach. Exactly. Like at some point, you gotta be like, "Listen, is this true love? Can we like give this girl a you know like a sword or like a bat or something put at a, least? Put a bell on this girl. Something <laughs> like we gotta keep up with her. Nothing can stop true love though. That's the idea. Apparently, you know. And I did find out. Um, that uh oh what's his name who plays Rumpelstiltskin in Once Upon a Time oh if you hadn't asked I could have told you I know I know so the uh the fact that I, in an interview he talks about somebody asks him about every time Rumpel says true love he says true love every time every line he he's making fun of true love and he says true love and he says that he it was it was paying homage Sure. To this movie, sure. and it's a mixture of like, is Rumpelstiltskin aware of this movie? Because the world they take it, that the curse takes them to is this modern world. Mm. Has Gold seen this, and like he knows he's Rumpel uh-huh. the entire time, and like he's like, oh, I love that part, Woo, love. And so it's, it's just a fun little thing. Robert Carlyle is his That's name. Right. That's right. Uh, that every time and every season that he says true love as Rumpel he says true love and it's a it's a, a paying homage to this there's movie there's so many quotable lines in this movie it's course, a lot like, like uh, Caddyshack or Superbad yeah. or it's it's so quotable well like As You Wish Inconceivable and uh, you know My Name Is Gonna Go Into It all that stuff but like even just like one line uh, piece of dialogue that I wrote down that uh, it's just really funny to me it's like you seem a decent man. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent man. I hate to die. <laughs> I also love when uh, Humperdinck says, if anything went to happen to her, I shall, I be, shall be very, very put, put out. out. <laughs> yeah. I want you to play Humperdinck. Oh, thanks. In a stage version of this. But I also want you to play uh, the Six-Fingered Man. I want you to play Wesley. I want to play uh, either Vicini. <laughs> I mean, I'm not big. 
so I can't play under, you know. Everybody wants to be Inigo, though. Everybody wants. Everybody but wants to I be want to play Miracle Max. Yeah. When it popped up, I told Matt, I was like, this is the part I want to play. That's the good one. I want to play yeah. Miracle Max. It's not a long scene, but his lines. Oh, but it sticks it's out. It's so funny. He's got like the. Yeah, form, storm in the castle. The, like the Yiddish thing yeah. is like, uh, da, 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 and, uh, to play. All the arguing with him and, and Carol Kane and everything. Ah, oh, great scene. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. We are. We're just We're excited. just so excited. So he goes through this craziness in the swamp just to get headed off at the pass in the forest so like they've went around the fire swamp that kind of like within the movie tells us how long they spent in the swamp mm-hmm. but like for us as a movie watcher it's like a six seven minute scene but for them kind of like lord of the Rings style it probably was a few hours uh did you know that rob reiner was the voice of the rodent of unusual size all not. that growling and stuff not. that was Rob Reiner doing that. Um, so th- there's a part that I was looking for. Maybe I made it up because it's been a while since I'd seen it. But wasn't there a like he before she realized that Wesley was was behind yeah. the mask? Like he was kind of rude to her. Yeah, he you is. know, right? He's very rude to her. He obviously knows who she is. Yeah. Why doesn't he just say, "Hey, it's I think me. he's testing her." Is that Personally. it? Personally, wasn't there something where she says, "Oh, why are you? Why were you so cold to me?" Maybe I'm making that up. I can't remember. There is a line, and something I caught, like I caught it the time I watched with Maddie, not the first. Time and what's I his excuse? Like he says, like I had to, you know, I had to. Well, see. I guess he didn't know that until she said. Uh, he says the thing about, "Oh, your 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 true love." Uh, well, you think your true love is going to save you or whatever. Yeah. She's like, oh, I didn't say he was my true love. So yeah. maybe up that to that kinda, point, he mm. thought, uh, you know, she's over me and yeah. now she's into the prince yeah. guy. So I um, think I, I remember the part you're talking about. But so he, all that stuff, saving Princess Peach, um, and uh, he just gets captured. Like all that. All that. Just to get head off at the pass, captured, knocked out, and she gets taken back to get married. That'd be like playing all through Mario, like all the levels, not going through the warp zones, and then getting to the last Bowser fight, and then like the power goes out. (laughs) No! (laughs) I worked so hard. I was doing so well. I was three days from retirement. (laughs) That's one of my favorites. Look, we probably use that on just on this show, like a lot. If you go back through the past couple of years, it's been said a lot. Love it. That's our new drinking game. If you can go back and listen to every episode, I was three days, days from retirement. retirement. Shout so, out, to family guy. Moving on, Humperdinck falsely promises Buttercup he will search for Wesley. His real plan is to start a war with the neighboring country of Gilda by killing Buttercup and framing Gilda for her death. Meanwhile, Inigo and Fezzik are reunited after Humperdinck orders thieves to be arrested in the nearby forest. Fezzik tells Inigo about Rugen. Inigo decides Wesley's help is needed to storm the castle. Buttercup accuses Humperdinck of failing to search for Wesley. Enraged, Humperdinck imprisons Buttercup and tortures Wesley seemingly to death. Inigo and Fezzik, who have heard and followed Wesley's Wales through the forest find his body and bring him to Miracle Max, a folk killer, played by Billy Crystal. <laughs> Max survives the mostly dead, mostly dead, <laughs> which is which is partly alive, <laughs> <laughs> though he is temporarily left extremely de- debilitated. Yeah. 
After Wesley, Inigo, and Fezzik infiltrate the castle, Humperdinck panics and orders the in-progress wedding ceremony to be shortened. Inigo finds and kills Rugen in a duel after repeatedly taunting him for killing his father. Wesley locates Buttercup, who is about to commit suicide, very Romeo and Juliet, believing she is married to Humperdinck. Wesley assures her the marriage is invalid because she never completed her wedding vows. Then they flee the castle. After killing Rugen, Inigo is unsure of what to do with his life. Wesley offers him the Dread Private Roberts title, which Inigo considers. Fezzik has procured four white horses, and he, Wesley, Buttercup, and Inigo escape. Wesley and Buttercup, safely reunited, share a passionate kiss. Back in the real world, in his bedroom, the boy eagerly asks his grandfather to read him the story again the next day, to which his grandfather replies, As you wish. Mm. You know, Fred Savage in this movie reminds me a lot of some of my, my boys that I teach at the high school. And if, if you know me personally and you know where I work, you know the, the, the types of folks we have out there. They're nice country folks and everything. So I get the good old boys that come into my class. Theater's not my thing. I don't yeah. care about theater. And then we start to study Hamilton, right? And they're like, yeah, well, yeah, whatever, cool. whatever. Yeah, whatever. And then you see them on the edge of their seat, leaning forward, right? They're yeah. like really invested in it. And then I'll stop. And they're like, oh, what? And then they want to know what happens. Yeah. They're all into it. And then they're like, yeah, it was okay, I guess. Yeah, I but I, I don't want to tell you how much I really <laughs> like that story. When they probably went home and downloaded the album, it's on their phone. I know for a fact there was one boy in particular, the first day of class, he's got a luscious mullet, okay? Looks like Joe Diffie walking in. <laughs> this isn't my thing. Really, really nice kid. Great kid. Okay, we, we really bonded. Uh, he got an award in my class, actually. But that was him. I ain't about this. I ain't about this at all. I know for a fact that after we studied Hamilton in class, he went back and watched it on his own and was in the car with his cousin, who is big into theater. She was actually in Frozen Junior, the uncle cool. did recently. Singing at the top of his lungs, the Hamilton cast recording. And that's a win. I was I a win. I love that. Yep. yep. That's awesome. So it makes me think about Fred yeah. Savage. Like, oh, it's a kissing story. And then yeah. he's like trying to show he's not invested tomorrow? into it. But he is. <laughs> okay, well, I guess a pirate killing oh, is okay. He, well, what did he mean he's dead? He's not really dead, is he? Who gets Humperdinck? Mm -hmm. Like, does he kill the six-fingered man, Grandpa? I mean, uh, I, I, I love this this act right here this third act um the, the in the third act we get another very quoted line mileage whoa mileage is what wings up together today the the minister trying to perform the ceremony with the speech impediment also quoted that's a legendary oh, quoted yeah. line the same as the other ones we mentioned earlier um, and the funny father who isn't dead because we realized that was a dream, a nightmare she had. And he's so out of it. Like when he's t escorting her to her room and she goes, thank you for being so kind, <laughs> but this is the last time we shall talk for I will be dead. I will kill myself when we reach our room. Kisses him on the cheek and he's like, oh, well, won't that nice. be lovely? She, she kissed, kissed me. <laughs> okay, how about this one too? Go away or I'll call the brute squad. Uh, I'm on the brute squad. You, you are, are the brute, brute squad. squad. <laughs> Why don't you give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice in it? 
No, 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 no. Obviously, true love is a worthy cause, but he did not say that. He said to blave, which means to bluff. So maybe you guys are playing cards and he owes you money. Maybe after this we can go get a nice MLT, mutton lettuce and tomato <laughs> sandwich, and the mutton's nice and lean. <laughs> Gotta love it. Happening, happening, happening. Did you... Sorry, go ahead. Carol Kane, uh, shortly after this, did the Bill Murray movie, Scrooged. Mm-hmm. where she played the ghost of Christmas Present, and her ghost is physically abusive to Murray's character. Uh, present day audiences would probably know her from the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, she is. She's it. Kimmy's uh, landlord. landlord. Yes, she is. Yes, yes she is. Uh, did you know, you, so we there's the uh, famous moment where Buttercup has the dream that she went through with the wedding, and the, the lady's going, boo, 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 she had true love and all this. That actress went on to play uh, a role in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Anything from the trolley, dear. <gasps> That's her. She wasn't in the Sorcerer's Stone version, so this was so a she's different the, trolley the witch. later trolley but witch. But she's in the fourth Harry Potter movie as the trolley witch. Oh, oh, oh Isn't man. that cool? Speaking of Harry yeah. Potter, have you seen who's playing the oldest version in the next seasons of The Crown? Who's playing the queen? Uh, Maggie Smith? No. No, worse. Umbridge? Umbridge. Oh, dear. Mm. She is a great actress, though. She'll do great. Gotta give it to And her. she looks like today's queen. Yeah. She does. That's She'll do good. well. She'll That's do good. well. I gotta catch up on a crown, man. Yeah. I hear great things. Oh, so My good. list is a mile long. <laughs> I'm not gonna live long enough to catch up on all the things I gotta watch. Because things are gonna keep coming out. I know. <laughs> I know. So, we also get the, the revenge scene. With an ego and the six-fingered oh. man, because immediately when I first watched this as a kid, and he turns that corner and gets the dagger to the mm-hmm. gutter, mm-hmm. what? Yep. Even Maddie today said, "Oh, they don't kill him off." Yeah. But you know what's so great and so satisfying about that? Not only did he get his revenge, but every single thing, other than of course killing, he didn't killing kill his an father, egg, but yeah. the the he marks didn't. on his cheek, he gave them right yeah. back to him. The uh, he got him in the shoulder. Uh, yeah. but, well, the shoulder and his right arm. Yeah. He got him. The same thing he, he did gave to him. him back, back to that, and, and then, then the stab stabbed him in the, him in the gut. And that line, he's like, "Offer me anything I want." He's like, "Yes, money." And he's like, "Offer me power. I'll give you anything. Offer me all the things my dreams desire. Whatever you want." And he stabs him. He's like, "I want my father back, you son of a." Oh. You can hear me. Uh, there's a an interview with Manny Patinkin talking about that that his father had passed a few years before that from cancer and so in his mind he replaced the six-fingered man with cancer and that moment when he stabs the the count the six-fingered man that's him saying to cancer avenging. i want my father back yes isn't that great manny uh, patinkin's one of those like method actors uh he he makes it real which mm-hmm. you know you got to do to to make it good and, absolutely and that was just such a heartwarming story mm-hmm. so like Beyond the fact that it was so successful, this had such meaning to Manny Patinkin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, near the end, when... uh, And I love how uh, Wesley's just laying in her bed, and she doesn't know he's there. She thinks he's, you know, dead still somewhere. Uh, And in the pit of despair, and she's about to stab herself with a dagger, and he goes, There are very few perfect breasts in this world. It would be a, a, a shame, to, be a damage shame to damage yours. It's like instead of saying like, "Please, honey, don't do that," or "Hey, I'm here," yes, it's, it's just so uh, Elizabethan, if that makes sense. Instead of just saying "Hey," he had to say it that way. Yeah. Um, good, good fantasy writing. Yeah. 
Which uh, the writing and the dialogue very good lord the whole movie uh you warthog faced buffoon you miserable vomitous mass Wesley's killing it with the with the <laughs> names and the fact and no cussing and the fact that he won that confrontation with not even doing anything he was laying on the bed he's mostly dead still mm -hmm. can't do anything just his words was enough to scare Humperdinck into like, all right, whatever you want, man. I'll sit down. Drops his sword. Uh, you tie me up. The I'm little down. bit of strength he has, he stands up, says, "Drop your sword," and like they tie him up. And like so, it it because at the beginning of this, the grandfather says, "No, oh, Humperdinck doesn't die." Like he tells the kid at the beginning, "Humperdinck doesn't die," mm -hmm. and so you kind of lose that through the rest of the movie. Like, oh, surely that he does die. Surely he just didn't want to spoil it for the kid. No, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And he even says, I want him to be trapped in his own misery, his own loss, his own self, you know, deprivation, mm -hmm. basically, like he was outwitted. He wasn't out, outfought. He was outwitted by words and, and a plan that was just thrown together. You mm -hmm. know, not planned for months, just on a whim by three people that he probably deemed, you know, below him. Um... I loved though the the back and forth where he's like I'm gonna cut your 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 let your arms off first your and then nose. I'm gonna do this and you're just but I'm gonna leave your ears because I want you to hear people make fun of you and that's the that's the little diatribe that scares him for Humperdinck that probably would be the worst thing oh yeah I'm Kill the prince I'm the future king I'm yeah. a hero I'm a great hunter I'm blah blah mm. blah 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 and for people to not respect him yeah you know. Uh, I feel like Humperdinck's a precursor for Farquaad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, they drew from Humperdinck to make Farquaad yeah. a little bit. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. Uh, the sword fighting's great. Um, just So that's the plot. Uh, we are going to take another quick break, and then we're going to talk about all of our thoughts and some unknown nerdledge and stuff like that. And and some all Andre Easter talks. Eggs. More Andre. More Andre talk. Uh, so we are going to step away, take a quick break, more 30 Nerdy Podcasts when we return. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes. We are talking The Princess Bride, and the first thing I want to talk about is, can we just talk about the names of things first? It's very literal fantasy literature. Like, yeah. The Cliffs of Insanity. Epic. The Fire Swamp. Amazing. The Rodents of Unusual Size. Horrifying. Pit of Despair. Mm. The Miracle Pill. <laughs> like Wait just, 30 minutes for full potency. And and make sure you don't go swimming in, for at least an hour. <laughs> at least an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least an hour. At least an hour. Uh, the chocolate makes it go down easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so some unknown nerdledge that I found out, and Juice is going to chime in with some of his Andre the Giant uh, things. Um and I think this one will cue off your story. Sure. Uh, when asked what his favorite part about the movie was, Andre the Giant replied, without skipping a beat, every time he was asked, is not being stared at. He felt treated like an equal. Mm -hmm. No one treated him like a freak or stared at his size. Yeah. And that's that just, just hearing that's that. That's such a heartbreaking thing, though. Like, yeah. 
here's this giant man who does all these incredible things and you watch him on TV in the ring and he's throwing dudes off the you know out of the ring like they're mm. nothing he's a he's a legend he's an icon he's larger than life and the fact that he just wanted to be normal he just wanted to be like mm. everybody else and realistically he wasn't no. but he felt so at home with his fellow castmates and 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 they all of them have such wonderful things to say about him now 30 years later and and they all sort of share that story he just loved being, and being one of the all, guys no matter who it is even if it's the little bit that wallace sean spent spent with him on set all of them tear up just to think about him yeah because he was such a great person and it was just probably so sad too like to you know this giant sweet man who they love so much his health wasn't great and mm. uh, you know the Stories of Andre drinking are legendary, like 150 beers in one sitting. And, you know, he loved to drink. And a lot of that, like Vince McMahon's quoted as saying, I think he was drinking so much because he was dying and he was in pain. You know, like he was was really in bad shape. And even in this movie, okay, Robin Wright, she weighs a whopping 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay, tiny, tiny little woman. The part at the end when she jumps from the window and she lands in Andre's arms... You never would have thought anything about that. That's nothing for Andre the Giant. No, he's picked okay? up Hulk Hogan. He's, yeah, like all kinds of crazy things he's in the ring. They had to put Robin Wright on cables, and she was about two feet above the frame when they filmed it, and they lowered her into his arms because he couldn't hold her up. He couldn't do it. Because he's in pain. Uh, the the battle with uh, Wesley when he chokes him out, they had a they had a stunt double for Andre. You can, and if you look in some of the wider shots, you can see that he's not nearly as big as Andre, right? But they had to have a stunt double. He couldn't do it. He couldn't carry Elway on his back. And there's one part. Something's happened with them. They had to put a board behind him for him to lean against when he was doing one of the stunts. So it's like he had a really hard time. And he died in I think it was 1993, just a few mm-hmm. years after this. And this movie was filmed 85 we said it was released in 87 spring of 1987 was the uh wrestlemania 3 the legendary match with him and hulk hogan when hogan Hogan body slammed him you know that's like the most iconic wrestlemania moment of all force meets the immovable object yes okay this was after that and so that one slam was really really tough on andre he didn't do much more of that after that yeah but uh, well, another thing that I love uh, to hear about Andre was that he was just so, so proud of this movie, as he should have been, as, as everyone was, that when he was back on the road with the wrestlers and stuff, you know, they have their fun nights in the hotels and everything, he carried a VHS of The Princess Bride with him everywhere he went on the road because he was so proud. He wanted everyone to see it. Come to my room. Let's watch Princess Bride. He showed it to everybody. And isn't that just so, That's, like, wow. I just love Andre. And uh, it's a shame that his life was so hard. That's so short. But he was, yeah, he was 46, I think, Yeah. when he died. I mean, uh, I what think that's one thing that, um, uh, I can't remember who it was, Princess Bride interview, one of the actors said, it, mm, it may have been, the guy who plays the the minister, because he was also uh, Peter Cook. Peter Cook. He was also in George C. Scott's uh, Christmas Carol. He was Marley. Yeah. And I think one of the things he said in an interview was what broke his heart when he died is, um, I was already older than him. Yeah. And should have died before him. 
And I was like, I, God, that's... Well, I don't think that Andre ever had the surgery to stop the uh, the giantism that he had. I think they, they caught it pretty early on, but I don't think that there was a method for operation at the time. Look, right, um, right now, Kali has outlived mm-hmm, Andre. Mm-hmm. And Kali's giant, a giant. Big Show's coming up on it, but yeah. uh, Big Show had the surgery done, so his growth What is it stop. they stopped? They like it's a, gland, it, a gland. It's a gland that uh, causes uh, continuous growth of your of your body, uh, but your organs stay the same. So like Andre's heart was our size. Well, yeah, was still pumping blood through that big enormous body. You know, it doesn't work. You know that that's not gonna work for long. So everything was breaking down, and he knew he was he was dying because it, you got to go watch this. This it was an HBO documentary. Uh, Vince McMahon was all over it. Vince is in tears talking about it. You don't see that much, right? No. But he talked about, basically, he went to Vince one day and he said, Boss, I'm going home. And basically Vince took that as he was saying, I'm, I'm going to go die. You know. Which he ended up doing. He went, uh, he died in France. He was in a hotel room in France. Uh, but at least he was in his home country. And, and, and he'd been with family the day before. And he got to, you know, do a movie, be a champion. Yeah. And, you know, what probably when he was a kid, what even then that kids do today dream of doing, mm-hmm. you know, being a WWE champion and getting to be in a Hollywood movie. Well, he wanted to be somebody. Yeah. And, and he, he did. definitely was. He did. You know, he lived quite a life. He did. And that's... uh. It's 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 tear jerking, but it's heartwarming at the same time. Oh, yeah. The life he lived, and how he lived it. Like he could have been miserable. He could have done what you know. After Mania, I think you and I watched the Yoko documentary, and mm-hmm. he kind of got jilted at the end there. He was angry yeah. and got bigger. And they tried so hard to help Yoko. Like mm-hmm. they sent him to the weight loss camps and all this, and it was. I think it was like him and and. King Kong Bundy or or somebody was there with him, and they were supposed to lose weight, and they would sneak out at night and go get go get food that they weren't supposed to have. Mm. Yeah, but anyway, that's I think that's all my Andre stuff, unless yeah. something else pops up. But. Yeah. So during filming, another Andre thing's about to pop. Oh, good. <laughs> during filming in the UK, weather was known to be ugly sometimes, and I don't mean to brag, but when I was in Europe a couple summers ago. Um, I can tell you that the weather does kind of suck in the England area. Yeah. <laughs> England, Scotland, Ireland, it does kind of suck. Rainy. Uh, it's cold. rainy. It's muggy all the time. Now, it's kind of like the beach where like a rain will come in and then go out. So, it wasn't like 24 hours of nonstop rain, but it was just like, you know, planning outdoor stuff is like, you know, let's plan around if a cloud shows up and rains for a couple hours, then we'll come back at it. So, when that would happen, to keep Robin Wright dry... And warm, Andre would put one hand over her head, like an umbrella. Yeah. And it was so such a big hand, and she was such a small person that it did keep the rain from landing on her, and it did keep her like warm a big and dry. Canopy. Yeah, like a bit. He would just stand there like this, and switch hands <sighs> from time to time. Just a nice freaking oh, guy. Lord, I love Andre. <laughs> and like, and he was taken too soon, you know. Um, in order to create what has been called the greatest sword fight in modern history. Carrie Elwes and Mandy Patinkin trained for months with Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson, who between them had been in the Olympics, worked on Bond, they've now worked on Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and even trained Errol Flynn and Burt Lancaster. They trained so much and evolved the fight that the initial one-minute 
fight became a three minute and ten second sword fight for the movie. It's such a great uh, the sequence. choreography. Is yeah, beautiful. and the fact that they start left handed. Yes, and so that's a challenge in itself. And then having like, to, try writing left handed right now. Yeah, it's not gonna work. <laughs> but then the fact that when uh, Inigo switches hands into his right hand. That's a right-handed person versus a left-handed person. That switches up yeah. everything about your choreography. Uh, and not to brag, I'm, I was a trained fencer, so yeah. I kind of know some of this stuff. And then in the end, switch back again. So three different styles. So it went left paced. versus left, right versus left, then right versus right. right. Within a three-minute and ten-second fight sequence. Yep. And they did it all. Now, they didn't do the, the pole thing. Sure. They got like an actual gymnast yeah, person yeah. to do that. But they did all the sword fighting themselves. Every bit of it. That doesn't happen much anymore. No, it does not. <laughs> I believe uh, Ewan McGregor and <clears throat> Hayden Christensen, <clears throat> I believe that they did all their own fighting too. So did uh, Toad. Ray Mall. Park. Ray Park. Oh, Ray he's, Park. A, yeah. he's a fight guy uh, yeah. too. Martial arts and all yeah. that. Um, so Mandy Patinkin has said that this is his favorite role over the entire course of his career. Easily. And I, I look back like early in the pandemic as a family we binged Homeland and he's phenomenal in it. Sure. I've seen Criminal Minds, he's phenomenal in it. Uh, I've seen a bootleg of a couple of his Broadway performances. He's phenomenal he in it. He and those. his wife are also pretty funny on social media. They are very social social media savvy. For yeah. their, their ages, and they are hilarious. Very, very funny. They'll stitch things on TikTok with other people, mm -hmm. former politicians, uh, current people, and they'll just stitch in, and he'll quote a nigga to him or something like that. They're hilarious. He was one of my first follows when I got a TikTok. Nice. One of. Nice. One of. My first follow was Claire Crowder. Shout out to Claire. Um, so, moving on. Uh, when Count Rugen hits Wesley over the head, Carrie Ellis told Christopher Guest to really go for it. So he did. He hit Carrie so hard it stopped filming for him to go to the hospital overnight. Concussed him. Sometimes that backfires when you're like, oh yeah, man, <laughs> just, just really just, just go, go for it. it. I can take it because I've done that before. I did too. During Guys and Dolls, I told Brett Smith every day, um, I said in this fight scene, because we were supposed to break out in a fight, Brett, go for it. We're both wrestling fans. We've had basement wrestling matches. Let's just go for it. He swung at me one time, and I didn't do the, the thing I normally do, and he jacked my jaw, and I remember standing there at one point after he did it going, like, Tyler was now on stage, just like, Ugh. and, like, I had to hear, you remember Javon? Yep. Javon was on the <laughs> Tyler! Get off stage! <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, so I'll never tell anyone. Just really, just go for it. I haven't man. been punched on stage, but I've had the the pleasure of being in some scenes with ladies where they have to slap me two or three different times. Yeah. And you know, you're nervous about having to hit somebody, and it's hard to really fake slaps. Yeah. You know, there's a way to do it. You cup your hand or whatever. Uh, and they're like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm trying to put their mind at ease. Like, yeah. just, just do it. It's okay. It's okay. You it's know? gonna be all right. It's okay. And then that pow. Sometimes I've been. Uh, you see the birds. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, Sweeney Todd one time. Mrs. Lovett got me pretty good. The only other time I said that someone is I told Luke Hefner to really go for it in one of the sword fights when we're playing 
your Black Knights, your Dark Knights, and Camelot. And he, we were supposed to do this swipe through thing, and I guess his adrenaline was really pumping that moment. It's when all the, the crap hits the fan, and he's fighting through to us to try to get to Guinevere, and, and, you know, Arthur's been betrayed, and there's a battle going on. It's like night versus night. And like, we do our normal cling, clang, cling, and this is an audio, so nobody's seeing me do this. Only you and Maddie are. So we go here, 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 and he throws in this extremely intense swipe around, slides up the sword, and nicks me right here with the sword. Mm -hmm. And like they're pretty dull blades, but like he still like cut pretty well. Oh, and so I was just like, ow! Yeah. And like Tyler almost came out instead of your one of your, and then went, Luke, stop, man! <laughs> Like chill out, <laughs> like, like I almost was like, this is why no one likes you. Shout out, shout out to our little buddy Luke. Yeah, who you can see on the HBO Max documentary about the the COVID. I was uh, the last cruise ship or the, something like that. He was a, a performer on the last cruise the, ship, the Princess something, Princess yeah. Diamond. He's on the documentary on HBO Max, so yeah. go watch that. And Luke Hefner, when his interview comes up, he cut me with a sword once. Send so, him all your hate tweets. Yeah, <laughs> at, at him. At him, all the anger. Uh, so, moving forward with some unknown nerdlich here. Um, according to the author, when he was trying to initially get the film made in the 70s, Andre wouldn't read for the role. So he was going with Arnold Schwarzenegger for Fezzik. However, by the time the movie began to be made, almost 13 years later, they could not afford Arnold. Because he had been Conan mm. already. And who Arnold then turned around and talked Andre into taking Terminator it. Yeah. had happened too. He talked Andre into taking yeah. the role. Well, uh, they he uh, uh, what's his face that wrote the the book Bob Ender uh, no uh, uh, it's uh, uh, William Goldman William Goldman William Goldman he wrote the role for Andre. Yeah, yeah, and this was when Andre was still pretty hot in wrestling. You mm -hmm. know, when he did the movie, he was he was backing out of it yeah. a little bit more, so it kind of worked. When out. he wrote the part, like Andre's like, what? Roman Reigns is right now. Wouldn't have been nearly as good if it had been old, uh, old Arnie, I don't think. <laughs> so, worked out. <laughs> Hello, lady. Ah, ah. Hi, lady. <laughs> yeah. I got these horses. Ah, get to the horses. <laughs> I think you like to yell at us. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> I jugged it too hard. <laughs> and there go. It's a bomb. <laughs> like bombs aren't made, Arnold. We're out of control. We are. <clears throat> so, uh, moving on. Mandy Patinkin says that the only injury he sustained on set was a bruised rib. He sustained it in the Miracle Max scene, keeping from laughing. It strained him so much that it bruised his rib. You can see the strain in his face during his line. This is noble, sir. That like that's the best take they could get out of him, and you can actually see the pain and the keeping from laughing when he delivers the line. And and like going back and watching it with Maddie now, I'm like, I couldn't keep. We say it in the office too. Like, how do these people do this job? Well, like I could not keep a straight face. Sometimes with it takes them a few times. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen bloopers. And sometimes they don't catch things, and you can see them smiling or laughing. Oh, I showed her when uh, when it's the two Santa Clauses in the office, mm -hmm. Phyllis and Michael, yeah. and Kevin's sitting on Michael's lap, and he's doing all that. <clears throat> you can see uh, Kelly Kapoor just in the back, like that's the best take they got. She was still like, <clears throat> like 
hiding behind Ryan, like chuckling. Not to turn this into an office podcast, but uh, the uh, the infamous uh, Michael Oscar kiss that was improv, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was improv. And you can look like uh, uh, Pam, Jenna Fisher. She's smiling. She's, she's trying to hold it back. And Kelly's back there, like, celebrating. It's like, it's a great thing. Like, she's like, funny. what can I do to, to <laughs> not help? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. One last thing here. Uh, the writer, William Goldman, was on set during the fire swamp scene. And at the moment, the flames burst up and caught her dress. Though he knew it was intentional, he was so in the moment, he jumped up and shouted, Her dress is on fire! <laughs> Like, that's how you know you've done your job well. Like, he knew everything that was happening, but they caught his... He was so... Any other uh, Easter eggs behind the scenes, Andre stories? I think that's all I got on that. That's all you got, man? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, these are just some of the few nerdlidge things that I found. Um, One of the most enjoyable aspects of this movie, doing notes for this movie, was uh, actually going on, like, the IMDb page for The Princess Bride. Uh, and looking up some of like behind the scenes goofs and things like that, I highly recommend somebody do that. Uh, it's 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 really cool, and you never know. Um, most times that I in my life I have gotten invited to trivia nights by different people, whether it be friends or family, is because of my useless movie knowledge. Yeah. And I was like, that comes from being bored and scrolling on IMDb yep. and learning. Oh, did you know that actually... Blah, 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 Me too. You know, like, I always joke about the meme of DiCaprio during... Uh, what's the one they did with Gal Gadot? Or not Gal Gadot. Uh, the Manson murders take place. Hollywood, or... The story, oh, um, the, it was recent. Yeah. The Hollywood, True Hollywood Story. True Hollywood Story or something Whatever. like that, where he plays an actor, him and Brad Pitt are roommates, stuff like that, and, like, they're next door... Yeah, 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 yeah. To the, the Tarantino Manson, thing, yeah, right? Yeah, the Tarantino yeah. thing. And, like, it pops up where his commercial or something comes up, and he does this, like, hey, hey, like this kind of, and there's become a meme. I'm like, that's watching a movie with me. Yeah, me too. Like, especially if it's Lord of the Rings, like, you know, trying to, he actually broke his toe when he did that. Did anybody know that? Yep. Did anybody know that he actually broke his toe? And, like, if you watch Lord of the Rings, if I'm watching Lord of the Rings with someone who hasn't seen it yet, I have to say it. When it comes to Two Towers and he kicks that helmet, I look around and I go, has anyone not seen Hey, did you know, (laughs) you know, random bystander who I really don't know, that was, he broke his his toe. And like, I have to, even if I watch it with someone who has seen it, I find myself like, I wonder if they know this. It's kind of like sitting next to a live wrestling match with me. Do you know how they did that? Do you know what's going to happen next? (laughs) I can tell you. I can guarantee you. I I know what's going to happen. They, they Sorry arch about their, that. They people. arch. They arch their back, so it takes a lot of the brunt. Tuck the chin yeah, in. They tuck you know? the chin in. They have microphones under the <laughs> under ring the, to under the amplify ring. the sound of the impact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry uh, about that, people. We spoil <laughs> things. For we're you, those but we people. have fun. We're, we're those kind. nerds. We're those nerds. So this has been fun. Yeah. Good episode. Any any last thing? What are some of your favorite moments, lines, memories? All right, let me explain. No, it's too much. Let me summarize. <laughs> this movie is great. It's epic. It's incredible. It's nearly perfect. It's one of my top ten all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hadn't seen it in several years, uh, I think. Uh, and uh, I'm so glad that we decided to chat uh, about it this uh, week. I know that you've been talking about it for a while. Like yeah. We should do a Princess Bride yeah. episode. We should do a Princess Bride episode. Yeah. 
Um, Sometimes I have good ideas. Occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally. I get like one a year. And when that happens. And I'll be looking forward to my next one. You got to roll with it. Talk to me next season. Well, that's all I got. Uh, thank you, nerds and nerdettes, for tuning into another episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. If you want more nerdlage or just more sweet nectar known as the 30 and Nerdy Show, uh, you can find that whenever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to follow along the conversation and keep up with the nerds of 30 and Nerdy, we are all over social media. Juice, where can they find us? Well, it's pretty simple. We're on all of the social medias, but the easiest way to find us is 30andnerdypodcast.com. And while you're there, you can go to the directory and find all of the links to our social media uh, sites. Yeah. And that's not all. Mm-hmm. You can also subscribe to the Nerdly Newsletter and check out the organizations we support. You can stay up to date on Tyler's Nerdcabulary words that I love every week. And you can learn all there is to learn about the show and uh, friends of ours like the Council of Nerds and previous guests. That's right. And if you want to be a best friend of the show, patreon.com slash badcastcompany. We've got some great patron me- patrons and Patreon members that uh, we are constantly sending things to. We've been a little lackluster lately, but it's uh, a lot of that's due to scheduling and uh, it's just there's just not enough time in the day. Uh, but you get deleted scenes and bloopers, and when we get to 10 patrons, which we are very close to, uh, we will do a Patreon-exclusive show and also enter those 10 names into a hat and draw for a swag bag. Swag. Stuff we all get. <laughs> and and that is uh, not it. We're constantly... Uh, polling our patrons and asking for your input and things like that so go to patreon.com slash badcast company and while you're on the web you can go to podchaser.com for us and while you're there you can rate and review this show along with individual episodes and you can find some great friends of ours other independent podcasts such as odph three fat nerds and the east coast avengers you can also find great playlists and pod communities Shout out to our pod chaser groups, the Apocalypse and Pod Nation. In those playlists, you will find podcasts with great content and fantastic hosts. That's right. And another shout out to our Twitter communities we are part of, like the Inner Circle. And last, but uh, certainly not least, if you are into pods and collectibles, follow our boy at Rev underscore collection. That's R-E-V underscore C-O-L-L-3 C-T-I-O-N. If you're into pops, Pokemon cards, figures, the works, it's going to be worth the follow. Now, next week, we are going to be joined by the Women of Cosplay, a fantastic social media group with a lot of... Of followers and you should be one of those followers so they are amazing cosplaying women go to the Instagram follow their account women of cosplay we will be joined by the manager of the group along with some of the models featured on the page we are very excited for that and just a heads up next week's episode will be somewhat of a, a mid-season finale yeah. if you will we got some big plans we big do plans. have some big plans uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks to let juice get back in the heat of things uh, for teaching uh, and do some planning for our second half of the season. Now, in that time, we invite you to email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Uh, we want to hear from you. We have, uh, what have you enjoyed so far? What do you want to hear? Do you want more movie deep dives? Do you want more news, less news? Do you enjoy the nerd vocabulary words? Do you want a reboot of the show's outline? What do you want? We want to hear from you uh, because we love hearing from the nerds and nerdettes of the 
30 and nerdy verse. Mm. Restore the 30 and nerdy verse. Oh, yeah. 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 So be kind to one another, nerds. Most important, be kind to yourself. For the juice himself, Dr. Davis, I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Max. Stay classy. Cheers to you. Have fun storming the castle. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Join in on the conversation using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apodalypse and PodNation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com or find us at 30andnerdypodcast.com. This has been the 30andnerdypodcast. Cheers to you, nerds. Nerds.